You know, it's just like they say, a rolling stone gathers no birds, but a stitch in the hand saves the eggs in the basket. No, nobody says that. It's Schmanners. Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. Extraordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How be thou? Uh, good. How dost thou? Uh, good. Also good. Cool. <laughs> okay. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, man. It's hot outside. Mm-hmm. I went outside and did uh, five minutes of work, and I'm drenched in sweat. Woo-hoo. Uh, which I don't know if that's more commentary on the weather or my physical prowess. <laughs> uh, but here we are. And we're doing another idioms episode. Idioms. I love a recurring bit. I love idioms. Love them. Love these babies. So uh, you are so- quite hyperbolic in your in your real life. Oh yeah, I'm folksy. You know what I mean? Oh, is that it? Okay. Well, I I've always prided myself on like I I like metaphors and similes and stuff mm-hmm. as examples, and it, I think. I don't know, maybe that's like an ADD, ADHD thing of like abstract, you know, creative thinking of like, sometimes I say it not for the other person's benefit, but like to put my thoughts in order to say like, it would be like blank, right? Because mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I I have to like kind of figure it out myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like a good idiom. I like a good turn of phrase. Indeed. Um, first of all, thank you to everybody who has sent in idioms. We have a lot of really fun ones. Yeah, great ones this week. Thanks, and everybody. Of course, thank you to Alex for putting it together. So let's get into it. Okay. Um, this was suggested by Dave. Thanks, Dave. And the saying is, no skin off my nose. Or... Also heard as no skin off my back. Now, okay, so this means like, uh, that's not a problem. It's no trouble, you know, right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or like, it doesn't bother me. That's nah, no skin off my nose, right? If someone is right. like, oh, you know what? Actually, I, I don't think I, you know, will be able to make it. Like, ah, it's no skin off my nose. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But I've also heard, uh, and this is a family podcast, but I've heard uh, no skin off my different parts. Okay. Right? Of, mm-hmm. of perhaps the body. Um, it's a fun, it's, you can add some of your own color to it. (laughs) Your flair. But I assume, I, I mean, is this one of those that's like literal, that doesn't scrape skin off my nose? I mean, a little bit, right? We're, we're pretty sure that this saying originated from boxing. Um, so if an opponent didn't hit you in the face and break your nose, the fight wasn't too bad, right? Okay. Uh, it came to mean literally breaking the skin on your nose. Um, so means it was, you know, no skin off my nose, not too terrible of a fight or, See, or whatever. So, oh, this is why I love doing idioms just right out the gate. Cause it's so wild to me that there was a time, right? Somebody said like, did it take skin off your nose? And a boxer was like, no skin off my nose. And somebody heard that and said, I'm going to use that in my everyday life. <laughs> <laughs> by Jove, it's perfect for when I'm not troubled by something. It's just so wild to make that jump into a thing. Here is a, uh, a slightly different origin. Kind of... Kind of weird, but I'll, you know, we can go there for for a second. We'll allow it. Um, In 16th century England, Mm. uh, there may have been a cult 
wherein go on people um, would put uh, a draw a mole on their nose and then you would stick your nose through the hole of a door to prove that you were a member of said cult. Get out. And if you didn't have the mole on your nose, the cult would cut it off. Get out. That's wild. And that I is love wild. It. I love it. Hey, what's the best way for us to demonstrate? Should we do like a secret handshake or a password? No, no, no. I've got it. We'll stick our nose through a hole <laughs> in the door. What? 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 I'm sorry, what? No, 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 no. I know what you're thinking. We're going to draw a mole on it. Okay, well, your dad's the president, so I guess we're fine. Uh, I mean, I think it's probably the boxing one. Yeah, probably right? the boxing one, but I like that mole one. Okay, here's another one. This was suggested by Kyler S. Thank you, Kyler. Different strokes for different folks. Okay, so this is like... Well, you know, you do it your way and I'll do it mine. It works differently for different people. Um, like, you know, there's a lot of different ways we can do this, right? Mm -hmm. Or or also, like, just different people have different habits, right? It's sure. A, just a way to, like, succinctly say, like, well, people are different sometimes. I think that probably at this point it's been replaced by don't yuck somebody's yum, right? Yeah, but I also think that this this idiom was made very, 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 like, commonplace pop culture by the show Different Strokes. Oh, right? sure. Uh, if you've sure. ever heard what you talk about, Willis, that is uh, like the catchphrase from Different Strokes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so the origin, you know, of course, is a little hazy, but uh, it probably comes from the African-American community in the 20th century. Um, and it is a, uh, a nod to a congratulatory touch. Okay. Oh, like um, a handshake? A little bit, yeah. So, like, when you comfort an animal, you might stroke it like that. Okay. okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people need different ways of being comforted. Oh, I love it. Uh, different ways of being congratulated being, or being touched, of being physically interacted with. Oh, well, and also, uh, you know. Emotionally. Emotionally okay. interacted with. So, you know, people just mean they're touched in different ways. I like that. That's a nice one. You know, sometimes we get them where I'm like, oh, no. But that's a nice one. Different people need different things to feel better. Yes. Love it. Yes. Are you ready for another one? Yes, I am. Please. And thank you. <laughs> this was suggested by Mary-Kate M. Thank you, Mary-Kate. Pie in the sky. Okay, so this is like, you got big dreams, kid. Mm -hmm. Those are pie-in-the-sky dreams. Who knows if you'll... I've also heard, like, pipe dreams, right, is another yeah. one of, like, these are big uh, dreams. This will never happen. It's a pie-in-the-sky dream, kid. I don't know why I'm turning I into this. I don't know either. You got some pie-in-the-sky. You, pie in the, you yeah, should stop it. You got moxie, kid. Okay, that's okay. enough. <laughs> Whenever I hear this, I am reminded of a song. Have you heard? You've got high oh, homes. Hopes. We've you got... got High hopes. About the ant who pushes down the rubber tree. High yes. apple pie in the sky hopes. Yeah, because yep. he pushes down the rubber tree. Oops, right. there goes another rubber tree plant, right? Yep. It means the promise of heaven while suffering in this life. Wait, what? You might be having a hard time now, but at the end of the line, there's a pie in the sky. Is that about heaven? Yeah. Huh. Because I have never thought about heaven in terms of baked goods. I haven't either. And if I did, it would be angel food cake. Come on. 
But I guess angel food cake in the sky hopes doesn't really work the same way, does it? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Victoria um, Sponge in the sky <laughs> hopes. This phrase was coined in 1911 by a man named Joe Hill, um, born in Sweden and migrated to the U.S. in 1902. He went down in history as a leading light of the uh, radical labor organization, the Industrial Workers of the World. Okay. He wrote a lot of protest songs for them. And the phrase appeared in a song in which he was making a parody on the Salvation Army hymn in the Sweet By and By. Uh, so the pie in the sky was a criticism of how the Salvation Army was more focused on spreading Christianity than they were on actually feeding the hungry. Yeah, because, okay, I see this, right? Because as a satire, as a parody, right? Saying, like, mm -hmm. if you're more worried about the pie in the sky, you'll have people starving on Earth, right? I Maybe that's it. I'm just like, hey, you're going through it. But at the end of the day, huh? Up there, mm -hmm. there's pie. And it's like, I would like some pie here now, though, please. Now. Uh, so here are the lines of the song. From the day of your birth, it's bread and water and here on earth. To a child of life, to a child of life, but there be pie in the sky by and by when I die. And it'll be all right. It'll be all right. He said if I do his will, there's a promise he'd fulfill. And it's gone now to prepare me a mansion up there and there'll be pie in the sky pie in the sky pie in the sky okay yeah well done joe hill it's pretty good it's a mm -hmm. good parody satire thing love it ready for another one i yes uh, let me wait let me prepare my body my body is ready listener dave suggested Thank you, listener this dave. one uh hot off the presses okay so this i i know this okay so hot off the presses is like, this is fresh news, right? This is breaking news. We just found this out. Hot off the presses, right? And the reason is because it used to be that the ink was on big rollers, right? And it would be heated up, mm -hmm. right, to print it. So the paper would actually be hot as it came through the rollers, right? And this is also uh, Xerox machines used to do this too. Yeah. I don't think it happens anymore now. But it used to be like as pages would print out, they were hot, right? Because mm -hmm. it was like burned into it. Indeed. Yeah. I knew that one. Exciting. Sort of for me. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Right. I mean, this is just like, like you know, stop the presses and yeah. hot off the presses. Like things that are very literal, right? Indeed. But that we use like, I don't know. Do people still use stop the presses? Do people still say that? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. I always find, I feel like. You know, do you ever have a time where you're like, definitely I remember that someone has made a joke like this, but I mm -hmm. could not tell you what it's from or what movie or TV show it was, but a thing where someone was like, stop the presses and somebody just like moved a mouse on like, <laughs> and like paused a printer or something? Uh, I mean, I think that even though maybe the presses are no longer churning the way that they used to, um, it's, it's interesting because this is kind of like a modern day phenomenon, like... Um, we still talk about presses in the same way of like, if you look at the little, what are these, these little like icons on your phone, yeah. right? They're in the camera. It's, it's a picture of a camera. Right. And but, it'll make the shutter click And it sound. makes the yeah. shutter click. But most people use their phones as their camera. Right. But it would be weird to have a little phone picture there. And you're like, what is this to? Exactly. <laughs> this is too much. Exactly. So there's, there's a lot of those things uh, in our lives 
I'm trying to think. Oh, the the little paperclip guy. And the fact that our keyboards, if you turn on the keyboard sounds when you like type on your thing, it sounds like a keyboard, mm-hmm. like a like a um, what's the word? Why can't I think of typewriter? Yeah. And oh, there is one thing. There is an element to hot off the presses and stop the presses that is important to the idiom, which is so. Um, used to be, you know, if you're printing out hundreds and hundreds, thousands of th- however many papers, right, you had to start printing basically the night before to have them ready to sell the next day. And newspapers came out in editions so right. that you could get the news out pretty early, but you would have to continually update the editions Right, you would the day. have the morning and the evening edition, right, we stuff happened, you got new information. And so it really also denotes like, Something has changed, right? Or this is late breaking news because hot off the presses was they just printed this. Mm-hmm. Like this wasn't printed last night and now I'm selling it to you hours later. The idea being if it's hot off the presses like this is right now, this is, this just happened. And same with stop the presses is like, hey, you thought all the news was in, but it's not. Stop the presses. Something has changed. Mm-hmm. Right? There's an urgency to both of those. Here's another one. I would love to hear it, but you know what? First. How about I think you know for our sponsors? All right. Hey, stop the presses. Oh. I want to tell you about DoorDash because they changed the game as far as I'm concerned. You know, here's the thing. Hey, gather around, youngins. You not, may not remember a time, but there was a time. Where you would used to have to go through the, you would used to have to, uh, <laughs> folksy, go through the phone book, right? Look at restaurants, call them and say, do you deliver? Mm. Right? There was no way of knowing until you called them and asked them. And I thought about this the other day. Somebody asked me like, hey, who delivers around here? And I was like, uh, DoorDash? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know the end of it. Because now we have a completely different uh, way of doing things. And that way is DoorDash. Can I tell you? I actually have DoorDash open on my phone this instant. <gasps> what? I mean, I'm actually I'm reading the copy, but it's one of the open applications. Oh, I see. Okay, it's in the background. It wasn't <laughs> it's like in the while, background. <laughs> while we were making the episode, you were playing on DoorDash. Okay, you way to focus up. Come on, dial in. Listen, Wellman. things on DoorDash are serious. You don't play on DoorDash. That's very true. And not only do they connect you with restaurants you love, they will also help you get grocery essentials you need with DoorDash. You can get drinks, snacks, and other household items to delivered within an hour. We've used it to do diapers before for, for Dot. Oh, yeah. All kinds of different things. And ordering is easy. You just open the DoorDash app. You choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with the contactless delivery drop-off setting. You know, I had a driver the other day who was texting me DoorDash-specific memes that were updates to my order. <laughs> there was one that was like a, a raccoon stuck in a vending machine, and it said, I'm stuck getting your order, but I'll be there soon. Ah. It was really cute. So for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code SCHMANNERSPOD. That's one word. That's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code SCHMANNERSPOD. Subject to change, terms apply. Schmanners is also sponsored in part this week by Quip. As fun to say as it is to use. Quip has launched... A new mouthwash. And it. it will change the way that you complete your clean. It comes in a refillable dispenser that's delightful to use and sleek enough to fit on your bathroom counter. Let me, this... let me tell you a story real quick. Let me tell you a story. Please. There was an old woman. No, no, no. I, uh, when I was bearing children, I was very nauseous. Oh, yes. No, I remember. I was there for a lot of that. You were a lot. Not firsthand, a secondhand. Secondhand. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, so, I leave the room because gross, you know? So nauseous that I had a hard time using a toothbrush. And what saved me was mouthwash. Mm. It saved me too, because I had to be in the same room with you, you know what I mean? You know what I mean, folks? Um, so the dispenser that they have is really great. It is a just a little one touch, and then you it comes with a tiny little cup. You know you, what it makes me think of? What? It has kind of a like retro modern, which is like a mm-hmm. weird combination of things to say, but it reminds me of like when you used to see the, maybe I did because I'm very old, but like even when I was young, they were old. Anyways, those things of like the kitchen of the future oh, or whatever, sure. right? I'm like, this is the style I love, right? Where it's mm-hmm. just like, futuristic in a very modern way. I love it. Yeah. It has a little dispenser. You push the button. With a built-in cup. Mm -hmm. And the cup, and then you pour it into the cup, and then you add water to make it so that you can swish it around in your mouth. Love it. Uh, Like you do. Like you do. Like how one washes mouth. Indeed. Indeed. Um, But along with mouthwash, Quip also delivers your uh, brush heads, your floss, your toothpaste. uh, And you could get those every three months from $5. Shipping is free, so you can save money and skip the hustle and bustle of in-store shopping. I like neither hustle nor bustle. That's not true. (laughs) I don't mind a bustle. If and well if fitted. you go to getquip.com slash schmanners5 right now, you can get $5 off your own mouthwash starter kit. $5 off mouthwash starter kit, including the refillable dispenser uh, and with a 90-dose supply of Quip's four times concentrated formula at getquip.com slash schmanners5. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash manners five. The number five. Quip, the Good Habits Company. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gerrich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed that button back on the day after it broke. We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you. We want little bitty tiny victories. My tiny victory is a tattoo that I added onto this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer free, but my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, And it looks so great. So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun. When last we left our heroes, Teresa was about to tell Travis about another idiom. Let's join in and see how things are going. This one was suggested by Diane. Thanks, Diane. And the saying is, at the end of your rope. So this is like, uh, usually I think of it as like frazzled, right? Frustrated. Sure, yeah. Of like, I'm at the end of my road. I can't deal with this anymore. Or like, yeah, this situation has become too much for me. I'm at the end of my rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I I actually thought this was about mountain climbing. Oh, really? I thought sailing or like pirate oh. ships. You know, like if you were trying to swing from one place to another and your rope wasn't long enough and you're mm-hmm. like, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm at the end of my rope and I can't go any further. Um, it was it is said that this is a very old one, uh, dating all the way back to 1860s England. It's pretty old, older than me. Mm-hmm. The idea was that an animal had been tethered and left to graze, 
and become annoyed and frustrated when it reaches the end of the line it was given. So oh. kind of like a like if you're walking a dog and if your dog is like our dog, when they see any Don't other say animal. Don't our dog. Clarify. Buttercup. Buttercup. Lily is a very good girl. <laughs> Buttercup is a very good girl 95% of the time. But so she not- is a terrier yeah. and she loves to... Chase small creatures. She wants so, to know. She wants to know who's in charge. That's her. So when she sees squirrels and the like, she pulls at the leash. Yeah, and that's that's the idea I'm at the end of the rope. Because when she sees a squirrel, she just wants to kiss it. I assume. Oh, that's what you assume. I mean, what else would she do? I mean, berate it for being in our yard. I mean, that's true. But sometimes it's in other people's yards, and for all I know, that's a squirrel's house. <laughs> I haven't checked. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. Which, Who gave that squirrel financing? <laughs> which I think that uh, you will particularly enjoy. Okay. Suggested by Robert M. The saying is, what in the name of Sam Hill? So this is like what is going on, right? Like, <laughs> it's hard for me to hear this and not think of two things. Okay. One, my mom saying, I swan to John, which I think is like, I swear to God, I, maybe. but for people who are afraid of blasphemy or whatever, which was- Yeah, it's a way to get your swearings out without, you know, with a folksy twist. Right, my mom was a church secretary and uh, goody two shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's, so, but I think of that and I also think of, what in the wide, wide world of sports is <laughs> okay. going on around from Blazing Saddle? Yeah, but it's yeah. just kind of like, what is going on, right? Like, things have gotten so wild. Exactly. To John. exactly. Okay, this is another one of those times, please tweet uh, at Schmainer's cast. Has anyone else in the history of the world ever said I swan to John? <laughs> or was that a Leslie McElroy original? Okay, go okay. on. So it was actually, its first appearance was in the early 19th century in a newspaper. And the line was written, what in Sam Hill is that feller ballin' about? Okay, but what is Sam Hill? Okay, a couple theories. The phrase first appeared in print, uh, the S and the H of Sam Hill weren't capitalized the way the newspaper would if it were a real person. Okay. okay? So this is a dis- a, a kind of exploration written by Patricia T. O'Connor and Stuart Kellerman of Grammarphobia.com. Okay. okay. They say that it was a very popular phrase with frontiersmen, especially when they needed to clear their language up for those ladies. Right? So it's something about hell? Perhaps. Um, there are a couple potential candidates for a real Sam Hill. Well, maybe I Sam should say H-E double hockey stacks. There, uh, so there was in 1887, Samuel Ewing Hill was a Kentucky general that was okay. sent by the governor to investigate a feud between the Hatfields and McCoys. Uh, reportedly, journalists wanted to know what in the Sam Hill was going on up there. Uh, here's another theory. In the book uh, written by H.L. Menekin, The American Language, it says that the phrase derives from Samuel, which is the name of the devil yes. in the opera. I know that oh, from Lucifer. That's right. Samuel. Mm-hmm. Dear Freshutz. Excuse me? That's the name of the opera. Oh, Dear okay. I was like, what did you call me? <laughs> that's just a joke, folks. Just one of my funny goof-em-ups. Um, and so Samael, Sam Hill. What, the it, devil kind of thing? Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, there was also a Colonel Sam Hill and a business named Sam Hill Mercantile, which 
might have been sure. the original uh, origin. Um, but if anybody ever was the person behind it, it was most likely a Michigan surveyor named Samuel Hill um, because he swore like a sailor. Oh. And uh, it was written that he gained a reputation as being one of the most blasphemous and obscene swearers in the Kenwinaw Peninsula. Can, wait. Kenwinaw Peninsula. Can you spell it? K-E-W-E-E-N-A-W. Okay. Sure. I assume, Kenawa? Kenawa? I, I assume it's a place in Michigan. Sure. That was just the line. He was, it, it was... As far as his reputation reached. What's in the name? I like that it is like a celebration of a celebrated swearer, right? Like, mm-hmm. what in the name of the good Sam Hill? I like that. Okay. I like that one. That's what I'm going with. Okay, what's the next one? Next one. Alex suggested this one. Our very own Alex? Our very own Alex. Big man on campus. So this is like, you know, you're kind of, uh, I was about to say hot shot, right? But that's yeah. another one, right? You're uh, a very important person. Um, and, and you kind of feel that way too. There's like a little bit of a backhanded to this, right? Okay. Where I think that there is an implied kind of eye roll a little, just a little bit of like, oh, he's a real big man on campus, right? Like, I, okay. I don't know that yeah. I've ever heard it used in like a really like sincerely, oh, John, ah, oh, he's just the best, a real big man on Kim, right? It's almost like, oh yeah, he thinks he's hot stuff and he's mm. kind of, uh, he's a real big man on campus. Now it can be true, right? That they're right? like the quarterback and the president of the student council or whatever. Right. But it's usually sad with a little bit of like a eye roll. You know what's great about this one? Uh, it it was actually, when it started, very literal. It's about giants. In the 1930s, it was originally used to refer to male college athletes who were held in high regard at their schools, particularly basketball players. They were big. They were so, tall folks. They were tall folks. And so it quite literally came from a tall guy at school who's a great basketball player. I mean, I'm really glad it's that because with campus right there in the title, if it wasn't a literal one, I'd be like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? Okay. I also remember, I think that there was a movie made probably in the late 80s or 90s that was like Dead Man on Campus. Hmm. That was about like, I don't know, I'm trying to, I think it was one of those of like, the conceit of the movie was, if your roommate dies, you get straight A's for the year or whatever. And, and I remember being like a, like, you know, probably 12 or 13 and being like, that makes complete sense. <laughs> Absolutely, movie. That logic is unassailable. Uh, another one from Alex. Spitballing. So this is like, uh, we're just throwing out ideas, right? Mm-hmm. I've also heard this uh, referred to as like blue sky like, uh, just like, just throw it out in the air. Uh, we're just spitballing here, right? Another one that I think means the same thing is like, we're going to throw a spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. This is a brainstorming session. Sure. Yes. Man, those were, that's like four. Brainstorm, mm-hmm. throw spaghetti at the wall, blue sky, spitballing, all they're, in the same thing. They're everywhere. Uh, and so, first of all, by the way, Miriam Webster defines a spitball as paper chewed and rolled into a ball to be thrown or shot as a missile. Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly how I would describe it, too. I love it. Did you ever do spitballs? Did I ever shoot spitballs? Yeah. Well, okay. They're awesome. Here's the thing. You take a straw, you chew out the straw paper. Ah. It comes, it's loaded up. It's right there. Is the straw necessary for the spitball? No. 
as long as the paper is wettened with one's saliva. Okay. It can be a sweet bowl, but you see, with straw, one gains greater accuracy and proportion because you can build up the pressure behind the projectile with the straw and the aim. Oh, my. I'm going to need you to put that character. Uh-huh. Away. That I call him General Spitball. <laughs> he was part of a battalion of Spitball marksmen. All right. It's actually not the origin of this specific Wait. meaning of spitballing. You're talking about a different kind of spitball? No, no, no. Oh. The very first spitball uh <laughs> What's a- I'm sorry. I, I'll never forget. It's in the Smithsonian now, oh, the very no, no. first spitball. It was but- a baseball term. Oh. A spitball is when a pitcher would add a little bit of spit to the ball so that their pitch would be less predictable for the batter. This is actually illegal now. I know this yes. for a fact because for a long time, pitchers would like rub spit on it, rub it in the dirt, right? get the ball really dirty so it's harder to see. Ooh. And then the problem was, especially before the games were illuminated, right? Before you had lights in the stadium, mm-hmm. batters would get hurt because they wouldn't see the ball coming. So they wouldn't move out of the way if it was like coming at their head or their body mm. or whatever. And I think that there was a guy who was struck in the head by a baseball and died. Wow. And that was when they changed the rules to say, like, you cannot muddy up the ball. You cannot dirty up the ball anymore. This is literally throwing out ideas. I love it. Yeah. Here goes. You know, the first ever oh. illuminated baseball game was played here in Cincinnati by the Cincinnati Reds. Really? Yeah. It wasn't in the movie The Natural? Was the first ever real <laughs> illuminated baseball game played in the fictional movie The Natural? Is that what you were asking me? Uh, was that the first no, real? No, that's not at all what it I was It sounded like you were asking, asking me if the world's first recorded real life illuminated baseball game was in the fictional Robert Redford, if I remember, <laughs> movie, The Natural. And the answer is yes. Absolutely. In the alternate universe that they filmed The Natural in, where they just went over there and filmed. Yeah, absolutely. Are you okay? Are you all right? Are you going to pass out? Sometimes I just say things yeah. without thinking. I don't know anything about that. I've never done that before in my life. All right. Okay. Fine. I'm, I'm not usually the straight man I'm in fine. this. What's going on? Okay. <laughs> this one was submitted by uh, Sabrina. Thank you, Sabrina. Heel turn. So this, I think, is coined and comes from wrestling. Or at the very least, um, I know that this is like in wrestling, right? You have, I believe they're the face and the heel, right? Where the face is like the good wrestler and the heel is like the bad wrestler, right? And a heel turn is like this person that you thought was good the whole time. It turns out they're bad. And so heel turn is like basically that, right? Of like the reveal of this is, you're a bad person. You, oh, he had a real heel turn when he cheated on his girlfriend or whatever. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. But oh. not the origin. Oh, okay. It comes from ice skating. What? A heel transition is a way that an ice skater can dramatically change direction on the ice. So the wrestling term is derived from an ice skating term. Because it's the same sort of ideal, right? A dramatic change, maybe from a hero to a villain. <gasps> I love it. I love it. I love it. There, <laughs> that's wonderful. I'm going to do a dot real quick. Okay. I love it. Yeah, there's this thing that happens when you're a parent <laughs> where your language will become deeply influenced by your children. 
And Dot will do this thing where, like, if you're anywhere and you're just like, oh, I love it. From across the room, you'll just hear, I love it! <laughs> it's great. She also started doing this thing, because like, BB is really into dinosaurs, and so Dot is really into dinosaurs, where Dot will just announce out of nowhere, dinosaurs, so cool! <laughs> it's great. It is wonderful. Here's one from Andrew R. Ship shape. Okay, so this, what it means is, like, uh, that everything is in order, right? Um, and I assume that it has to do with like, we've inspected your vessel and it's ready to go on the water, right? Uh, uh, very, very close. Um, it originated in Bristol in England of in course. 1796 because Bristol was a big European seaport and they always made sure that their boats were in pristine condition before they could, quote, ship out. Right. So it's not about the shape of the ship, mm-hmm. right? It's that they are in a good shape to ship out. They are in Bristol shape, okay. which is another iteration of the phrase. Okay. So it's ready to ship out, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So you better shape up or ship out. <laughs> yep. Indeed. Okay. Great. Um, Miranda M. sent in lickety split. So this is like... Quickly, right? In a in a moment, I can have as that as quickly done. as you can. Yeah, I can have that done for you, lickety split. And I have never in my life, in a, in almost thirty eight years now, thought about that. I've said it countless times, and never thought, "What did I just say?" <laughs> uh, it first entered the English lexicon in the second half of the nineteenth century. Lickety is a fanciful version of the word lick, which used sure. to mean to move quickly or run at full <gasps> speed. Oh, okay. And split is a fraction, so fraction of a second or a split second. And then the two words were combined to mean move quickly in a small amount of time. I'm trying to, so, it's so weird. It's twisting my noodle that you say <laughs> lick is like, it used to mean like move quickly. And I said like, oh yeah, I know that. And then I thought, use it in a sentence. Quick and as a lick. I mean, okay, listen, you say that. But I'm sitting here thinking, have I ever heard that with my human ears spoken by another human mouth? But I've heard lickety split for sure. Oh, I've sure. heard lickety split. But you say, ah, oh, lick is like to move quickly. I'm like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and then I thought, wait, based on what, Travis? Why are you so confident that lick? But it, it makes complete sense. It just lives in our I'll brains. I'll be there in a lick? No, that's not it. I feel like there's another phrase that just has lick in it. Hmm. Maybe I'm thinking of the in the nick of time. I'll be there in the lick of time. <laughs> <laughs> Quick as a lick? Uh, is that anything? Quick I, as a yeah, lick? Yeah, I think it is. I now I've got to Google it. Okay, keep going. Um, here's another one from Miranda M. Bet- you say Miranda in a really beautiful way. Oh, thank you. Miranda. Uh, bet your bottom dollar. Okay, wait. Hit a lick means to get a lot of money very quickly. Yeah, okay. a lick quickly. Okay, but anyways, um, bet your bottom dollar. Okay. I've heard that used as like if if it's a sure thing, right? Exactly. So if someone's like, uh, "Are you sure you can do it?" and like, "You bet your bottom dollar, I got this. I got this covered. Don't worry about it." I don't know why I'm starting to do a little bit of Nathan Detroit, a little bit of guys. Oh, you bet your bottom dollar. It's hard not to, but um, it has a very interesting origin related to poker. Uh, and here it is. <laughs> I don't know why I said it. And like away that. we go. 
<laughs> You've done this. You did this to me. I know. I you broke made, you. You made me all silly. Yeah, in when the, I married you. Go on. <clears throat> in the 1800s. Change your name to McElroy and it broke you. If a poker player was certain their hand would win the game, not only would they put their their money in, they would put their dollar underneath all of the money being bet on the table, thus betting the bottom dollar. It was a signal to everyone at the table that the player had an amazing hand of cards. I mean, or was they were bluffing. Was bluffing, bluffing out one side and the other. Yeah, I can't imagine somebody taking advantage of that. <laughs> like, okay, Doug, you're putting your money under the money again. Doug, this is the ninth time in a row. There's no way you have, oh, he had it again. Doug had it. Lord Doug had it again, because it was the 1800s. Um, this actually makes a beloved tune feel a little a little sadder to me. Which one? Bet your bottom dollar. Like uh tomorrow, remember uh, the song? What? Bet no. your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun, right? Yeah. But no, I mean it's uh, a sure thing. Is it but if Okay, but I'm you were so just talking confident. about the bl- the bluffing. Oh, you think there's a little bluff in Little Orphan Annie? I mean, I think that it just goes to show the kind of desperation that she was in for a better tomorrow. Are you trying to make me feel feelings about Little Orphan Annie, a show I care nothing about? <sighs> yeah? It's a good song. Okay. See, I would have guessed that this was like more like bet your last dollar, right? Mm-hmm. And like, well, this is my last dollar. And it's like, yeah, but... You could bet your bottom dollar on this because you're going to get that money back. So you can risk your last dollar. That's what I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about the this bluffing mechanic or rather, <laughs> I guess, just really show it. I don't know. Um, here are some fun uh, phrases, questions, special family or cultural sayings from around the world. Okay. You didn't think that was funny? No, I did. I, I thought it was humorous. Okay. Um, BB gets mad at me a lot because she'll make a joke, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." And she's like, "You," and she will look at me and say, "You were supposed to laugh," mm. which is such a power play. I've never thought about doing. It. I'm going to start doing that at live shows when I say something I think is really funny, and the audience doesn't react. I'm going to turn to the audience and go, "You were supposed to laugh." Go on. Um, here are a few of Jessica's favorite Scottish phrases uh, that she would like to thank scotslanguage.com for. And Teresa is going to do her best on the pronunciation here. Thanks. I I support you. Don't just... (laughs) I feel like this is a setup. No, no, no. Uh, I'm just saying you're doing your best. Your jacket's on a... No. Yeah. Now you've done it. Now you're starting to sound a little too Appalachian. You want me to try to say them then? Your jacket's on a shoogly pig. Your jacket's on a shoogly peg, is what I heard. Your coat is on a shaky hook, which means you're on thin ice. Oh, I like that. I like that. Hey, your jacket's on a shaky hook, my boy. I'm going to start using that. I'm going to start using that in my everyday life. Just try to stop me. Do you think my head buttons up the back? Meaning, do you think I'm stupid? Are you trying to pull the wool over my eyes? Is that literally saying, like, do you think I put my jacket on backwards? I mean, no, I mean... It, it's like putting, it's like putting something over, like the wool over your eyes, like okay. a, like a sweater buttons up. Sure, sure, sure. But if it's saying, do you think it buttons up the back? It makes me picture like put on my jacket. But <laughs> it was really hard to button my jacket. Why did they put these ja- these buttons in the back? Uh, I mean, yeah. 
That would be pretty silly. That would be a good indicator that perhaps you weren't paying attention when you put it in tango. Um, here are some Swedish sayings that Adam sent us. Thank you, Adam. New air de kukta flesker stik. Uh-huh. I think that I said that right, but I, I read it very... Uh, what, when you have the pronunciation key or or whatever. I didn't actually read that in Swedish. I just phonetically, yeah. there it is. What's it mean? It means the boiled pork has been fried. <laughs> Something has gone all wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is the great, by the way, a fun uh, joke anytime you're making food. Um, is to pull it out and they're like, oh, these are really good mashed potatoes. And you're like, thanks. It was supposed to be steamed corn. I don't know what happened. <laughs> a little bit like that. Uh, here's one. Uh, rint mule e possum. Uh, the, the possum rinsed the mule. <laughs> no. No, it, it means to have clean flour in the bag. Okay. Uh, so if you if you're... If you have clean flour, you don't have anything hidden, no hidden agendas, no skeletons in the oh! closet, you know, all, all of that stuff. Comes Literally, like, that, that bag's pure flour. There's yeah. no other stuff in there. Okay. Right. And when people used to adulterate flour in order to... Fill it out. Fill yeah. it out. To and cut it, like you would drugs. Indeed. Wouldn't it be weird if there was a time where cocaine was so prevalent that you would cut flour with cocaine to make your flour more instead of the other way around? Think about it, folks. Thought-provoking stuff. Go on, Teresa. Um, here is one from Jackie B. Thank you, Jackie B. Uh, they wrote in and asked us to cover one of her grandmother's favorite fa- phrases, which is, same old six and seven. Huh. So, I mean, it makes me think of, like, same old, same old. Like, this is the sure. same, same again, all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so at six and sevens, means that something is in chaos. Right. Right. Sixes and sevens. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we surmise that same old six and seven means same chaos, different day. Oh, I like that. But it's not really like a phrase. I mean, Pro- it is now. I mean, probably originated from her grandmother. Yeah, but I like it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Here are some Japanese ones that Stephanie sent us in. Thank you, Stephanie. One way to say that you're angry in Japanese uh, is haragatatsu, literally means your stomach stands up. <gasps> yes. My stomach stands up at this. I'm so mad. Um, oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I said that. That makes complete viscerally, sense Viscerally, I have been so mad that it felt like my stomach was, like, at attention. I 100% understand that. Um, here is hanayori dango means dumplings over flowers. It means to value substance over aesthetic appeal. Yes, yes, yes. We see this on Great British Bake Off all the time. Indeed. Style over substance. Right. It's as as disappointed. We're disappointed with your style over substance. Right, where it's like, oh, you spent so much time on your decoration, but the cake wasn't well-baked. Right. So, yeah, it looks lovely, but it tastes terrible. Spend more time making something that is substantially good and then it will speak for itself without all the, the de- decor. Now I'm just talking about <laughs> Great British Bake Off, but go on. Um, here's one that Nicola Kay sent in some more Scottish idioms. This is one that my mother used to say. 
you make a better door than a windy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, of course. Get well, out of the way, yeah, right? Yeah, you, like you're standing there like you're a good door because I can't see through you, right? And better door mm-hmm. than a window. Mm-hmm. I said that to mm-hmm. Mimi the other day, and she looked at me like I had absolutely lost myself. That she was just she's like, four. What? And I was like, <laughs> it means I can't see through you. And she's like, yeah, because I'm a person. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you to everybody who sent in idioms. It's an absolute blast. We love the idioms episode. And if you love the idioms episode, please do us a favor and share this one. I think that this is the one of, like, hey, whether you're interested in, you know, manners, etiquette, history, whatever, I think everyone will be interested in our idioms episode. A big thank you to Alex for doing all the research on this. We really appreciate it. We also want to let you know uh, we won't have an episode next week, but we'll be back the week after. So listen to idioms twice. (laughs) I love it. Um, Go check out all the other amazing shows at MaximumFun.org. If you like McRoy products, and why wouldn't you, you can check out all the McRoy shows at McRoy.family. Also, we've got some new merch up at McRoyMerch.com. Um, let's see, Teresa, what else do we say? We always thank Brent, Brentlefloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. We also like to thank Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art, uh, which is at Cast, where we get question submissions uh, for when we pick a topic that we'd like to hear uh, your questions on. Uh, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that Facebook group. Um, and please continue Please continue sending in uh, your suggestions for topics and your idioms. We obviously think that they're great. Uh, you can send those in to schmannerscast at gmail.com. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.